Welcome to the STR Insiders Podcast. We share tips for achieving your STR goals, aha moments, funny stories, and all the latest gossip of this STR life. Listen in as we keep it real and maybe a little sassy, celebrate successes, and own all the mistakes we've made along the way. Whether you're new to real estate investing, new to short-term rentals, or a seasoned pro, there's something here for you. Jackie is an STR property manager who consults with individuals looking to grow their own property management firm. Tracy owns STR consulting and media firms that provide education to investors who want to learn all about STR investing. For more information, please visit www.thestrinsiders.com. Welcome everyone to episode three of the STR Insiders. Today, we're going to talk about a common STR myth. All right, so I mentioned myth. some myths from Stacey St. John earlier, and hers were great, too. I think we have some other ones that, that we're going to talk about more so, I think, like, yes, set up and management type stuff, getting into it a little bit. So what do you think? Where are we going to start? Heads and beds. That's where we're going to start. We're going to start in bed. <laughs> oh, my. You always take it there, don't you, Tracy? I can't help myself. I mean, this is the strip. Oh, well, let's strip this down. All right. <laughs> Get in bed. Heads and beds. Oh, yeah. my gosh. This is the number one thing I see with my clients that I adore so very much, but especially new clients. There's this myth out there. I mean, a lot of people operate this way with their Airbnbs where they think the more people they can sleep, the more money they're going to make. And that is just not the truth. You know, they're like shoving beds in closets for real. I have a client, I, you know, and definitely a favorite client of mine. I, I adore him. And hi, hi, I'm going to not say your name, but I know you know I'm talking about you and I adore we, you. We both love you. Um, And he has... Gorgeous properties, absolutely gorgeous properties. And I recently, you know, showed up to one of his newer properties and it's just massive. Like the bedrooms are massive and the walk in closets are massive. And he's trying to put bunk beds in closets. And I'm like, we can't do this. This is not, but, but let's look at what we're achieving with this. When we put a bunk bed in a closet, you know, number one, we're trying to sleep more people, which is increasing the likelihood of a bad review. Because you are having more opinions in the space and you're also putting a guest in an uncomfortable situation. And you're also increasing liability and you're increasing wear and tear and you're not really increasing income. Not really. It's a different group, right? So like, that's my perspective anyway, is when I rent a property, I am looking to stay generally two people to a room like if you have a kid's yeah. room with a couple of sets of bunk beds okay and there's a little flexibility there but as an adult i don't want to share a room with more than one person and that's either my husband or maybe a girlfriend yeah. if we've got twins or doubles or something and we're sleep like we're sleeping in solo adults but beyond that like i'm willing to pay more to have a sanctuary a good night's sleep yeah I think you get a lot of people who are booking, who are looking for luxury. They're looking for a really comfortable situation. Like that's why those en suites like generate more money because people want, you know, when they're staying with family, they want their own private bathroom attached to their bedroom. Like they're not looking to cram all into one room. And I, I 
think about what kind of crowd you're attracting when you do that. That's not right. the kind of crowd I want to host, you yeah. know? I think the truth, and I, and I know you know this, investing in the quality of the space and creating a good experience for your guests that's going to increase the income. For sure. Yeah. You know, there are definitely rooms that are gigantic that you can put more people in, but I'm not going for a hotel room experience. I'm going for, to your point, a luxury stay. And my, generally, my target guest is middle upper class income level who have some disposable income and like myself will pay a premium for a space that is at or above my personal properties, right? Like when I stay somewhere, I want to stay somewhere nicer. I don't want to stay, like I can stay home. But that that's who I want to serve. There are plenty of people out there that are high income, that want to stay in nice properties. And that's who I want to cater to. I feel like generally, there are always exceptions to the rule, but generally that crowd of people have their own assets. And so they understand how to take care of a house. They understand yep. how to open a garage, which I don't know if you remember, we've had that one. <laughs> I will never forget. Door, I will themselves. never forget. But, oh my. But yeah, so three plus in a bedroom, I think is more yep. of a budget approach to travel where one to two people in a bedroom is in general, again, kids is kind of the exception, but is more of your luxury traveler and yeah. they'll spend more money take better care of your property agreed and complain less i still don't understand it like it's a fact i've seen it over and over and over again so i know this is a rule in the industry but it doesn't make sense to me like you pay less and you complain more <laughs> it can't make sense of it but that's the way it is yeah for real and, you know, I always think there's exceptions like, you know, pull out couches in a living room, like go for it, you know, or like if you have a really big bedroom and you want to put a trundle bed in there, like set up like a couch, you know, that might be really accommodating to a family with small children. But like generally, you know, you really want to make sure that, you know, if it sleeps this many, it sits this many. Right. So like how many are you sitting at the dining room table? How many are you sitting in the living room? Do not go over that amount. And I always crack up. I always like, I laugh so hard when I'm looking at these spaces designed by clients. And sometimes I have a place that sleeps two people, but there's a dining room table that could seat 15. And I'm like, are you trying to throw a party? Like, what is going on here? Or like, more likely, you know, I see that they're trying to cram, you know, where people can sleep into this small little house, like pull out couches, extra, you know, trundles, bunk beds and closets, like trying to fit beds wherever they can. But then the tables like sits four, you know, and, and the kitchen doesn't accommodate more than four or the living room is small and it doesn't accommodate more than four. I feel like that's always my rule when I go in with a client. I'm like, if you're not sitting four at that dining room table, you're not sleeping eight. So if you want to add another chair in the closet, we could sleep five, you know, and they could pull out a fold out chair. But if it's not going to be comfortable in these, you know, common spaces, you're just creating a bad experience for yeah. the people who are with you and they're not going to be comfortable and they're probably not going to write you a great review. Yeah, I think, I mean, kind of summarizing that, you know, if your space really cannot accommodate 
a number of people, just accept that. Don't try to cram people in. You know, the dining table is, and the living room were actually, we literally just got uh, approval from the owner today to remove the hearth of the fireplace, so the sofa we want to put in in the living room so that it can seat. It's just a three-bedroom and we're just trying to accommodate six people, but it was yeah. tight. So, you know, so we're doing, so I mean, we're doing a fairly large renovation on that project. So he's like, you know, we're going to wrap the fireplace anyway. We can knock the bricks off the front. Great. But that's why that was one of the things we decided last night. We tried multiple different configurations and we're like, we really just need to get rid of that hearth. So yeah, the bathroom is also one yes. of the things, right? So you do not want, and what's your number? So like for me, I feel like more than four adults is starting to push it with a bathroom, but yeah. it depends. And I know that there are a lot of three, one houses out there. So what's your opinion on that? No, I totally agree. I really struggle with the three ones. I really do. You know what I typically do with the three ones is I set up the third bedroom for kids, you know, bunk bed, you know, maybe a little play area because it just makes more sense when you have kids with you for six people to be sharing a bathroom. Yeah. But, you know, I think it is a struggle. I kind of think four for a bathroom makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, my place has got a half bath too. So I feel like there's a little like more flexibility, yeah. but even then I prefer only sleeping four in that two bedroom, you know, like I have a pull-out right. sofa and depending on how bookings are going, I'll tweak the Mac to like to five, but, and the permit technically allows six, but i even with a one and a half, I feel like six is too tight and that's a large townhouse. I think it's almost 1300 square feet of heated square footage. So, I mean, it should be big enough, but I'd much rather have, to your point earlier, fewer people having a really great experience than the maximum I can squeeze in there, feeling like they're on top of each other. Exactly. Great, 100%. And money does not, it doesn't always work out. I had it up to six, which is my legal max, right, for that property. And I tracked it for a whole year. And I think there were maybe three or four stays that were actually six people and all of them it just felt like we were getting close to that budget conscious group and so that's when i started easing it back the max is because it just did not seem to be that much of a difference now i know that there are certain markets like maybe orlando and tennessee smokies where you'll have these larger properties that are maybe six or seven bedrooms and they're sleeping like 16 or 20 people so, but they probably have multiple bathrooms too. And I think that right. tends to be one of those big X factors when you start getting into the bigger properties. Well, that's like big picture thinking. You have to look at the space as a whole. Like, you know, like this client who was putting bunk beds in closets, it was actually a pretty big property and, and we discussed it. And I was like, you know, think about what this, this is communicating. What if instead, because you have a lot of square footage and you have multiple bathrooms, what if we add a trundle to a bedroom? And set it up like, you know, a couch. And then you can also kind of discourage the full max amount from staying by, you know, adding those additional guest fees on the listing too, you know, which I tend to do in spaces I feel like it could feel a little tight just to like hopefully limit those like bad experiences with guests. But you kind of have to look, yeah, the property as a whole, like how much square footage are we looking at? How many bathrooms are we looking at? Like, can we, you know, throw a trundle in here? Can we? take advantage of the square footage because if you're 
if there's room for a trundle, but the property only has one bathroom, you know, maybe it's not the best idea. Agreed. Well, that is myth number one. Well, and one other thing I forgot about the closet in particular is the safety aspect. And I think you may have touched on this, but I just want to emphasize this to anybody listening. Egress is important. So important. You should not be sleeping people in rooms that do not have proper egress. A hundred percent. That for me is a hard rule. Like not at all. If people cannot escape a fire, you have a catastrophic liability on your hands. And when there was a recent fire, I want to say it was up in Massachusetts. It was up in a New England area. Uh, may have been the Hamptons even, where a couple of women died recently. Was it an STR? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the family is suing the property owner. I mean, as they should, in my opinion, you know, a lot of these states don't have those regulations, although they have them for long-term rentals, they don't have them for short-term. So I think it's important to kind of look up what the local regulations are for long-term and see what you can do with your short-term rental to make sure that you don't have a lawsuit on your hands. Yeah. Well, and your insurance company can, I mean, we don't necessarily always love paying insurance, but they do have their benefits. And this is one of those areas where, you know, if you're truly focused on operating in a safe and professional manner, then you can have an honest conversation with them because you're going to take on board the feedback they're giving you. Because despite what we all want to think and and not love the insurance companies, and, and I'm not a huge fan in general, so don't think I'm super biased, but this is their entire profession is mitigating risk. And they see all the cases of when things go wrong. So their rules and their guidelines are based on preventing those things from happening. On their side, it's so they don't have to pay out a claim, but the benefit to you is that it gives you that information and that industry knowledge to make decisions that protect you from those types of issues. Because not only do I not want to get sued, I don't want a guest to have even a minor injury on my property because I want them to have an excellent experience. And that's really the key for me. Anybody listening, I have multiple sets of open stairs in my property. And so I limit the age that I allow my property because when people are on vacation, they're relaxing, they're not paying attention. Jackie's own toddler has been in my property and it's like constantly like back from the stairs or, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's almost like certain sections of my house were built to be a climbing place that are incredibly dangerous yeah. for small children. And so I just don't allow those younger children to stay at my property. It's not because I have anything against families. I would make more money if I allowed it. But I'm more concerned with the safety of my guests. And if anything ever happened to a child, it would ruin their experience. It would ruin their trip. It could have lifelong effects. And none of that is worse. The extra money I would make, you know. So when you when you talk to your insurance agent and they give you a list and you're like, gosh, some of this stuff's going to be really expensive or this is going to cost me guests. I would urge you to think about it in those terms. Like, what's the impact on your guest as well as your business if one of these things actually happens? And try to 
to decide from that perspective instead of just the bottom line. Agreed. I have a really fun story about stairs and insurance companies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I have a, a client and I no longer host this rental particularly for him, um, although I host another rental for him. And he is just so fun. And I just love that he's so innovative and always trying to set up these cool Airbnbs. He converted a garage into an Airbnb at one point, and um, most of the living space was up the stairs on top, you know, in the upper part of the garage. And he somehow created this little triangular space that he put a ladder on top of the stairs that go into this triangular space with twin kid beds in it. So kids are climbing a ladder that's resting on the stairs to get to their bed. To get to their beds. And the first time I saw this space, what I could possibly go wrong. I looked him in the eye and I was like, Do you want somebody to die? This poor kid is going to be like in the middle of the night, not find a light switch, need to go to the bathroom, like climbing down this, like, and then fall off the ladder and roll down the stairs. Like, I'm like, This is not going to end well. And I, I love how this client is just. They're just so sold on their ideas and I love it. And I was so grateful for his insurance company for (laughs) making sure that did not happen and that we had to remove the ladder. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you, insurance company, for not allowing this to happen. But I mean, it's it's true. Like that lawsuit would have made his life. I mean, it was a lawsuit waiting to happen. Let's be real, you know, and that would have not made his life very happy. So we talked about maybe making a cute little like tiny door in the kitchen to go to the little triangular space and make it like a little hobbit hole at some point with a playroom in it. Sounds cute. But, you know, there's other ways to use that space. We don't have to hurt somebody, put somebody at risk. And it's interesting because he was also trying to maximize heads and beds by making those things. It's true. It's true. And that space didn't really accommodate that many people too. So, I mean, it ended up working out for all of us that the little hobbit hole didn't work. Yeah, fun story. Stairs, liability. Trust your insurance company. Yeah, at least for their initial guidance. If you have to file a claim, you may want to hire an independent oh. adjuster. True. <laughs> I love it. That is myth number one. Now a bonus discussion. Let's talk about linens. I mean, I know there are lots of people out there that use colored linens and colored towels, but we use white and... I have not yet gone to a point where we needed to restock the townhouse. Now, I'm sure there have been some that have damaged, but you buy extras and you have stock. Yep. I actually think we've refilled your linens this month. (laughs) Check out your next invoice. It's been a while, though. It's almost, I've had that place almost five years. So (laughs) that's not bad. (laughs) It's really not bad. It's not bad, but yeah, we have, you know, our cleaner manager has been doing all his linen counts the last six months this year and really refilling. Been a goal of ours this year. It feels really good. 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 And that's fine. I mean, time to freshen up. (laughs) That's okay. I mean, that's the cost of doing business. And we've made plenty of money, you know. I mean, all I use is white towels and white sheets, white pillowcases. And for those to last four plus years. Well, when you get, you know, hospitality grade, you know, like sateen or, you know, whichever material you prefer, 
but sateen is my preference. You know, stains just come out of it so easily. And when you train your cleaners, easily, or, you know how to launder it properly. We, and we, we should do. not downplay do. the, the, the skill set there. But, you know, on every cleaning checklist, we attach a stain treating guide for the cleaners. Nice. For like the common things they come across. And we provide those things for the cleaners. But I really do think it's the sateen. Like if you get the cheap, like every now and then we get these property owners that hire us and they start us with the cheap sheets. I mean, they're gone within the first three months and we're restocking them with, you know, hospitality grade. Like you have to invest in the hospitality grade, you know, sateen linens for you to get longevity out of them. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the percale does okay too. Those are the two weaves that I think you could do. Yeah. So percale is a little lighter and crisper. Depends on like, I think what the feel you're going for. I like the sateen. Like, I'm on board with what you're using now. It's what I put on the bed behind me too. So I think fan. it's more, it's more affordable, right? I think they're probably about the same. About the same. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many manufacturers out there and up options that it's hard to stay on top of what's available. But, you know, yeah. if I'm getting sheet sets, honestly, like being in, you know, all the Facebook groups and seeing all the, the different people, what they're using. Some people are buying $15 microfiber sets and some people are buying $150, I don't know, Comfy. There are all these, you know, fancy brands out there. So I think something under $100 that's a workhorse and has a luxury feel is for sure good enough. Now, if I can find them on yeah. sale or special or, you know, Black Friday, stock up on like Cole's Big One towels or pillows, like there are different things that I'll be more strategic about. But in general, I think it's one of those places that it's expensive when you do a setup and you're doing, you know, double, triple linen sets. But if you're not having to replace them often and guests actually have a good night's sleep, it yeah. makes a huge difference. So wrap a little bit about our preferences on bed linens. And just to summarize, we love white cotton. Sateen is a really great weave. Hospitality grade is incredibly important for longevity. And laundering properly is the key to keeping them going for a long time. And I think Jackie may even drop you a little tip on the site. So check out our laundering training cheat sheet. So those are some myths that we wanted to debunk today. We would love it if you would let us know some of the myths that you have heard. Join the discussion in our Facebook group at STR Central. That's at STR Central. Looking forward to reading your thoughts and responses. Also find more resources for your STR at the strinsiders.com.